it's really hard to do your own thing when number one, you're in debt up to your eyeballs. Number two, you're a single mother. Number three, you've got two jobs. And number four, the business that's come before you has just failed. I actually sort of went and sat in a ball in a corner for a while and just tried to really figure out what I was going to do. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. We're proud to present Courageous Conversations, a podcast series focusing on the tough decisions people have made to put themselves on a pathway to success. This episode is brought to you by Connect Now, who makes the business of moving easier for both you and your clients. For more information, visit connectnow.com.au. Please welcome your host, Leanne Pilkington. Hey everyone, Leanne Pilkington here. So excited to be with you because on my last Courageous Conversation with the Lang and Simmons Rookie of the Year, Georgie Ryan, I told you that there was some exciting news and today's the day where we get to share it, don't we, Samantha McLean? Absolutely, although I, I think some, some people already know what's happening. Today is the day that we can tell um, everybody that Courageous Conversations is now going to be under the incredible brand of Elite Agent Elevate. Super excited, Leanne. Oh, my. So am I. So why did you want to do this? You and I go back a long way and I have heaps of respect for what you do and, and for your podcast. And I think sometimes with Elite Agent, you hear a lot of success stories. And I think it's really important to talk about the stories, the journeys rather, because when people get to the pinnacle of their careers, there's often a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that you actually don't get to hear. And I think those stories are important to tell, particularly for people who might be starting out their careers or even going through a bit of a tough time because we know that real estate is a roller coaster ride. And yeah, and so I've loved what you've done with Courageous Conversations. And this is just like you coming back into the family almost. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm so excited. And so appreciative that you've given um, me the opportunity to share so many incredible stories with people because you're right, uh, there are lots of great behind-the-scenes stories. There are a lot of people, a lot of people look at successful agents and go, wow, they must always be confident. They must always be feeling good. They must always be, and it's so not true, right? We've all got those voices in our heads. Totally. And you know what else is good about this partnership, Leanne? There's always been this running joke in the family that, you know, that the, the podcast always says, here's your host, Samantha McLean. Well, now guess what, people? You're going to hear, here's your host, Leanne Pilkington, quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's so, so exciting. So thank you for the opportunity. And I've actually been trying to get you on Courageous Conversations for quite some time. And you've always gone, and yeah. Nobody wants to hear my story. Who wants to hear my story? And so now you're going to share your story, which obviously you have shared at one of our um, networking Catch Up With The Property Girls events. So let's go back in time in the days before Elite, back when you were working in a training organisation called Quorum, which is when we first met. How long ago was that? I started at Quorum, I think, in late 2006. Yeah. So that's like 14 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, 15 yeah, years ago. ago. The end at Quorum wasn't that great for you. Can you tell us a little bit about that? The worst part about Quorum wasn't that it was a training organization. Leanne, remember, I was selling rent cards, which is about, you know, like one level up from, yeah, I don't know what, car salesman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can remember, you know, I really loved the people in, in that 
organization. And there were things like LJ Hooker Priority Card and stuff like that. And basically, you know, it was a really great way for property managers to reconcile their rent payments, except there's a lot of consumer affairs red tape around that sort of a service. And I used to walk out of the office the most days thinking Tracy Grimshaw and her film crew would be in the car park <laughs> waiting for me. Um, so you know it wasn't actually you know they say that when you go into sales you should sell something that you love I can't say I, I love that but I was working with my partner at the time yeah. and also that's how I met Tony Rowe yeah. because he was running the training organization side of so things there were some and, goods that came some yeah, good things that came from it right yeah there were some good things that came out of it but I guess you know when you're working with your partner and he leaves the company and then you break up and find out that your partner's been having an affair, it goes to shit pretty quickly. Pretty can quickly. I, can I say shit? I think that's the first time I've said You're that allowed in to. my podcast. This is, yeah. my, this is my podcast. You're allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, it was, it was a pretty tough time because my whole world was connected to that one person. My career, my personal life, my everything really was connected to one person. And when that gets severed, immediately you go into panic mode you go okay what am I going to do yeah and single mum yes at the time I was yes Amy was uh, 10 11 yeah 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 so you've got to find a new job and a way of putting food on the table for her as well right so what did you do well I it was it was really hard actually because I felt like my life had always been sales or marketing of some kind and I was pretty overqualified for a lot of the roles that I'd been gone going for after I was general manager of Quorum and also because like I'd left in a hurry and and you feel the pressure of I what what am I going to do yeah. and I ended up going but I applied for a heap of jobs and didn't get anything then I ended up going back to work for um, PwC as a bid manager, which was something that I did before my quorum day. So I kind of went back to what I used to know. But because when my relationship broke up, I was in a heap of trouble financially as well. One job wasn't enough. And so I actually needed two jobs and my other job happened to be writing for Solve Magazine and I'd gotten to know the guys from Solve Magazine quite well during my time at Corum, which I'm always super grateful for and I just really love doing it. So I actually had a job and then I had a second job, which was Solve Magazine and, you know, eventually worked myself out of the financial poo, but it took two jobs to do it. Yeah, right. So, um, your side hustle became something that um, you developed into your real main gig. I really enjoyed Sold Magazine when it was around. What happened to that? Well, I think with Sold Magazine, it was a great magazine and what the gang did was very, very innovative in the beginning, but I guess the internet happened and so did a competitor. And print magazines went through a really tough time in that sort of 2010 era, like people always say disruption in real estate, blah, blah, blah. But um, publishing was disrupted a long time ago and, and continues to be disrupted, actually. You know, we're, we're now fighting artificial intelligence bots and things like that who can write better than us. But yeah, so the internet newsletters and things like that exploded around that 2010, 2011, 2012 time. And we just weren't ready to, weren't ready to deal with that. 
And so, you know, I don't really know what happened from the business side of things behind the scenes um, because I was just really like a freelance writer. But um, when things did go south, I was gutted actually because I realised weirdly enough that I actually enjoyed doing what I was doing, you know, to earn an extra dollar um, more than I'd enjoyed the career that I had been pursuing basically all of my life. That's a pretty um, confronting thing to realise at your age, right? It's not like you're in your 20s when that happened. I guess it was very confronting because, number one, I was like, oh, what am I going to do now? And number two is I had loved the job so much that I had behaved like I was the business owner and people saw me as, as the person behind Sold Magazine. And there was a lot of people that actually just said to me at the time, why don't you just do your own thing? But it's really hard to do your own thing when, number one, you're in debt up to your eyeballs. Number two, you're a single mother. Number three, you've got two jobs. And number four, the business that's come before you has just failed. Yeah. Do you actually sort of turn around and go, oh, okay, well, yes, I'm going to do my own thing. That's a really. That's easy. That sounds really easy. I don't understand why you were hesitating. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, I actually sort of went and sat in a ball in in a corner for a while and just tried to really figure out what I was going to do. And so how do you work through that kind of process to work out what is next? And, and yeah. Yeah, I think the universe kind of, um, you know, I'm not a big believer in the law of attraction, but I do believe that, you know, you can definitely, when you focus on something and you really want something enough, then you will take steps to, to make that happen. Yep. And I guess I I was sitting at Five Dock Markets one day. They have the Italian festival every year. And I was looking at, a, at the side of a bus and there was some real estate agents on the bus. And I was thinking... Are there oh. always... Yeah, <laughs> there were always. And I didn't, I didn't think that for some reason. I thought, well why couldn't I give this a go? Let me just see. So I contacted Mark Norris, who is our old designer and said, Hey, I've got this idea. I want to do it differently. I'd like to call it elite agent. Can you please work on a masthead for me? Uh, And I didn't know how I was going to pay him either, but he said, don't worry. If you get it up and running, then you'll, you'll pay me then for the design of the magazine. And so he did that. He mocked it up actually using an old photo we had of none other than Delene Lewis. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And I remember looking at, at the cover that he'd done and, um, and thinking, wow, this is, this is amazing. This, this is my magazine. So I posted it on social media for some comments. And then all of a sudden people started saying congratulations on the new magazine. There was no magazine. <laughs> there was just a cover that had been designed. I think oddly enough, when you put it out there, then when you're accountable to something other than yourself, then you have to start taking steps towards making whatever it is happen. There's a cover. There's a cover. Everybody thinks there's a magazine. Then what? I went back into the corner and, and thought about it some more and thought, well, how am I going to do this with juggling what I'm, I'm juggling now? Because you're still and- working... Still, still yeah. working, still broke, <laughs> still, still all of those things. And then it's interesting, I got a phone call and it was from Tony and he wanted some help at ARIC that year. And, and I said, oh, no, I can't go. Uh, I can't even afford to get my hair done, let alone get on a plane. 
So it'll be the first direct that I haven't been to in a million years. Anyway, I put the phone down. Then I got another phone call from, from Tret saying, John needs someone to take notes and our note taker is gone. And for some people might've heard this story before, but uh, John always sits off to the side at Eric and he likes somebody else. He takes notes himself, but he likes somebody else to take notes so that he can tell whether, I think the promise is that you get your, your, your fee, your money um, in value in the first morning. And so the guy said, well, look, we'll give you a free ticket. Why don't you come up and take notes for John? And I'm like, well, how could I say no to John, like John McGrath? Absolutely. Uh, so I went and bought myself a supermarket hair colour, cashed in all of my frequent flyer points uh, and put myself on a, um, on a plane to the Gold Coast staying in the Bates Motel. It was just, <laughs> the carpets were sticky. It was awful. But I do remember that like I went in for session one and, and Tony was grateful to have the help, by the way. And yeah, I went in for session one and yeah, Chip Eichelberger put a rocket up me. So then that I was tweeting along with the people because Twitter was the thing back then before agents and Instagram. Yep. Yeah. So then I tweeted something saying, you know, a lead agent will be in print September 14. Was so, that a party after you'd had a few drinks or that? No, was no, I was sober and just caught up in the moment, I think. If you really, and this is it, I think I really wanted it. I'd really, deep in my heart, thought I am not getting any younger. Uh, if I don't try this now, when will the opportunity ever come yep. here again? Yep. And so, yep, so that's what I did. It's here and it's now, just grab it. Go yep. for it and look th- at what you've done. I think the the other thing was I remember somebody said, which would you rather, the pain, the, the pain of regret or the pain of doing something hard? I can't remember what the expression is, but I think yeah. you'd, you'd probably know it because we all love a good quote in the real estate yeah. industry, don't we? Um, but, yeah, and it was always like I can't, I can't regret this. I can't. Yeah. Anyway, it's the then- things that you don't do, right? It's the chances that you don't take and the things that you don't do that you regret. Yeah. Um, and even if this hadn't have worked, you could you could have looked back and gone, I gave it a damn good crack. Yeah. Yeah. But it did work. It did work. And then, um, you know, well, lots of other things happened then. I think the other thing is, as Ida Buttrose, that wise woman, that wise editor that, you know, guides us all. She's the spiritual leader of every editor, I think, in Australia. Awesome. Um, you, you don't You don't have to see the whole staircase take the first step. And I had no idea how I was going to get to where I was. But I think, again, you look for solutions. So um, it wasn't too long before my now husband, Mark, showed up and wanted to sell advertising and wanted something else for his career and different other things happened. Um, we put together a set of values and talked to advertisers about those rather than... Yeah, can you talk to me about that a little bit? Because... Um... Values are all the rage, right, uh, these days. But your the things that the stories that you you choose to tell and the ones that you choose not to tell, there's quite you've, you've got a very clear vision of what you will and won't put in the magazine, haven't you? Yeah. Well, I was. I guess at the time I was a little wary of publishers out there and it still happens Leanne there's a great expression in publishing if it bleeds it leads yeah 
and which means that the news will do what they can to scare you, create confusion, like horror headlines and things like that so that people will click on them because we can't resist a bad story. To be honest, I could have gone down that path of agent put money in the, put put his hand in the trust fund or any of those things, but I decided, and this was a thing that before people would work with me, they would often ask me, what is going to be different about elite agent compared to your predecessor or anything else out there? I said, well, I, I think that we have a duty to the people that we work with. Like you can't make a living out of an industry and not try and leave it in a better place. And so I don't want to be the same media company that, you know, says here's an award, but by the way, so-and-so stole money, like in the same breath. Yeah. And so we came up with three guiding principles, which was elevate, educate, entertain. Uh, And when we say good morning of a morning in the brief, we really mean it. Like, so I'm not going to say good morning and someone stole money from the trust fund or good morning and someone's gone to jail or someone's been all of those things. I'm going to say good morning. Here is a balanced breakfast. (laughs) Here's a bit of a laugh. And because I think in general, real estate agents can be quite cynical about the news. And so we try and deliver it with a bit of a nudge and a wink too. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things I enjoy about it is your sense of humour yeah, in your that comes across so clearly in your writing. What um, experience in publishing did you have before you started working as a, a writer for Sold? Uh, none. Hmm. So yeah, none. I was, but I was always a, like I was always a sales writer. So in my previous, and it's not too different. Like as a as a bid manager, we would pull together large multi million dollar proposals from various different parts of organisations like Optus and BT. So I'd lead these bit large bid teams um, to a result, which was hopefully somebody signing off on a proposal for telecommunications. If you look at it, really, um, publishing a magazine is not. Too different because I'm pulling things from different contributors and creating some content of my own to a deadline and hopefully printing out something that that people enjoy reading and get something out of. All at a time where publishing was being disrupted and a lot of um, established magazines were going by the wayside, what made you think that this was going to be a success? I hoped that it would be. Hope is not a strategy. Yeah, hope is hope is not a strategy. But we were watching very carefully at the time the way trends were going in publishing. And I think it's some of the stories we were telling. So, for example, um, native content or native advertising became a thing um, around about 2012. And what that means is that instead of Um, somebody putting a brand ad in front of you, they would tell you a story about their business or about their product. And as humans, we connect with stories and they wanted their stories to be told. And so we created a way of telling those stories through different things. And still to this day, like people come to us because it's not just here's our rate card, but people come to us because I want to tell my story in this way. What can you do for me? And so we, we looked at how to, creative things like every agent has a story, um, things like that, where we actually transform, where we came up with, because transform is just really a magazine. (laughs) When you think about it, it's content, 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 and then maybe an ad 
in a different way and then content, content, content. Yeah, I hadn't actually thought that way. I was going to ask you about Transform because you've done a lot um, to add value to the industry, but I hadn't thought about Transform being another version of a magazine. Mm. Yep, it is. It's a magazine in 3D. A magazine in 3D. Yeah, except with with homework. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've had to do so much damn work. Why shouldn't they have to do some homework, right? Exactly, exactly, exactly. So what is it that you look for in a story that you're going to share? People ask me that all the time. I look for people who are good humans. I look for people that meet our values, so elevate, educate, entertain. When someone, we get a lot of stuff into the newsroom and if it's just purely self-promotional and it doesn't meet those three values, then, you know, we've got enough other stuff that comes in. Yeah. But like I I look for people that actually want to add value to the industry too. Uh, And as, as one of the things that, you know, is this article just chest beating about me or can somebody actually learn something that's or something. be inspired from it? Yeah, that's a great way of looking at it And because there are some incredible people in our, um, in our industry. So you've interviewed uh, lots of people about their success stories. What are the common themes that you see running through those people who are so successful? Yeah, this is interesting because people think, oh, so-and-so is good at social media or so-and-so is is just a prospecting machine, telephone machine, and they're confident and they're not afraid and they're this and they're that. And nothing could be further from the truth because I saw it in my previous career and I see it now is that sales is a chain link system and you're always held back by your weakest link. So the top performers, you generally find that the top performers will be good across everything, maybe 1% better than everyone else at at prospecting, at nurturing, at conversion, at buyer management, vendor management, or in property management, insert tenants and landlords. Um, So they're 1% better, but the 1% better across five areas adds up to 70% better in everything. Weirdly. That's yep. not good. That's not good maths, but um, <laughs> it's my it kind is, of math though. Yeah. And, and it's not sexy, but it is roughly that. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's, uh, it's consistency, right? It's not rocket science being really good um, at real estate. Everybody knows what you have to do, yep. um, but it's just not everybody's prepared to do it and prepared to do it consistently. Sometimes I think the wrong messages come out and you might agree or disagree with this is that someone says, Oh, just run some more Facebook ads or just make more calls or just everyone sort of jumps into that solution mode without actually looking at the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, when, it, when, when it comes down to it, real estate is about human connection. Mm. Technology is wonderful because it can automate all of the other stuff that you don't have to do to give you more time to connect with more humans. You just have to work out for some people connecting with humans is doing the school run. Some people it's going to the pub. Yeah. Um, I had an agent who used to really do great business at the pub on at four o'clock in the afternoon, or at least that's what he told me. Maybe but, he was- you know, Nick from Rain and Horn, North Sydney, <laughs> who <laughs> sold our office. <laughs> it wasn't Nick, I promise. <laughs> no, but you're right, you're right. That's how we met. We met the guy that sold our office, actually. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And so what have been some of the most personally rewarding moments for you since you started this magazine back in 2013? Uh, milestones, I think, you know, the it's sort of, it's like having a baby. So when the baby actually starts to walk and talk and things like that, so the first video series that we did, the first transform that we did, 
you know, the, launching the podcast, which was actually quite by accident when the brief went daily because we did, the brief wasn't always a daily newsletter. It started You're a with mad me. woman. Why would you do that? <laughs> Somebody said it would be fun. Daily. I, I remember exactly who that was, but <laughs> it's the milestones. And then I guess some of the awards that we've won that are industry publishing, industry-based awards. Uh, no, and- I was so pleased to see that. And you, yeah, you've won a few now, haven't you? Yeah, and I think I'm going to retire from awards for a while. But yep. the the thing that is most that is the nicest, that is the best kind of anything, is when someone writes to me and says, "I really got a lot out of that," or "That really helped me," or nice. "I love the podcast and I listen to it religiously." If you could just dismantle one myth about real estate, about the industry, about the people in it, what would it be? That it's all flashy cars and watches and all of that sort of thing. The people that I know in the real estate industry are genuine, hardworking, good humans. And I don't think that they deserve to be on the ladder where Roy Morgan is. I think that that is the media's fault. Like, you know, that they amplify the bad stories. So I would say that the myth is, yeah, that they're very hardworking and you've got to work hard to be successful. Yeah, I completely agree. Most of my favourite people are real estate agents, except for my husband, of course. Um, <laughs> goes without saying, right? But yeah, well, that is one of the most, as you say, hardworking and also generous groups of people. Like they just do so much work in the in their local communities that often doesn't get recognised by people. So yeah, I would definitely agree. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for being my very first guest on um, Courageous Conversations Meets Elevate. Always a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend, and I know I'll be speaking to you again very soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Leanne. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Courageous Conversations with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agency's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.